0: Hi, and welcome to the Walk of Life, Passion, Purpose, and People. This is Cheryl Thibault, and our special guest today is Ramona Rogers. So welcome, Ramona. Hi, Cheryl. How are you today? Awesome. Thank you for joining us. We want to talk today about your chapter in your book and your life in general. And your chapter is called Life's Prisons Cannot Hold Me. And that is a massive set of words. <laughs> you're
1: from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, born and raised, been here all my life. Yes, Tulsa, Oklahoma, smack ah. dab in the middle of the United States. <laughs> wow, wow! Oh, I guess you're happy there. Or you would have left. <laughs> and my husband wasn't trying to hear that. You he love to move to Arizona, however, we haven't made that. <laughs> is it hot in Tulsa? I don't even know. Well, we have all kind of weather here. You never know. So you always better take your uh, equipment with you. We might see three seasons in one day. Oh. So it's, it's, it's weird. It is really weird, our weather. But today is pretty chilly. Two days ago, it was like 70 degrees. So today is like uh, 34. <laughs> Crazy, eh? Dress in layers. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the motto for most people. <laughs>
0: Well, we want to talk about your life and your chapter in your book and um, what you've gone through, uh, which is quite incredible. So thank again for being in life because choices are made where you sometimes choose not to be here. So thank you for being here. So your first line says life's prisons are no match for the human will to survive. That's powerful. Do you want to talk to us about that?
1: Yes, it's like over the years, I'm half a century, so I've learned a lot in, <laughs> in that time. Frame. And that sounds like a lot, but it's really 50 plus. And you, a lot of times don't even know what you're capable of. Life comes at you. You don't know how to deal with it. Just like you said, I have a choice to be here. I choose to be here, but learning how to cope with obstacles and challenges is a part of the journey but we don't really know that a lot of times we we think it's just us because that's just where we are right then but when you have the will to survive we're just kind of like I, I kind of picture animals well the last line of defense is self-preservation you're going to survive no matter what's going on if you desire to live you will find a way to live so in my In my situations that I found myself in, learning and growing throughout the various stages of life, I wanted to survive. And I found ways to survive, even though it felt like prisons locked down mentally, physically, all those uh, avenues I wanted to live. And so I found the way to live and to make sure that I was functional and and moving and happy and being vibrant for my kids and, and things of that nature. So that's what I mean by the prisons can't hold you.
0: Well, you've used some powerful words here um, with your childhood. You said you were, felt like you were bound, handcuffed, shackled, and left for dead. So those are pretty serious feelings that you had, um, I guess, between four and eight years old. That's a young, impressionable time in life. Can you, do you wanna talk a bit about that?
1: Oh yeah, so I used to not understand why I hated the color baby blue. But it wasn't until really here recently, the last five or six years, I figured out why. When I was four years old, I have a twin brother. And I remember a day when my mother took he and I to the doctor for a checkup. I remember I was sitting on the floor playing with some toys. And I remember this doctor coming in saying something to my mother. Now, I didn't recall that for years. But what he told her is that because she had twins, one of us would have intellectual uh, properties. The other one would would be would would not be sufficient in that arena, and of course, my mom being like like which one is it? He pointed at me, and he basically that was to me a destinance because you 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 counted me out before I even had the opportunity to start life, and so wow. it's not that I was treated like I was handicapped or anything, but to me that set precedent for the expectation for me, and it wasn't like my parents didn't honor me in ways. I was really more athletic. So it's just kind of like, I I, I, I want to say I heard those words. And so my, my mindset was that I really can't do anything because I'm dumb. Well, that was reiterated by kids on the streets playing outside. Oh, she's a cute little girl, but she's dumb. I would hear that over and over again all the time. And so what do you do when you hear something all the time? You begin to to wear that label and take that on. And kids being kids, not understanding the words that it was doing to me because it was reiterated over and over again. I don't know if there was a little jealousy thing where my mom kept us nice, neat, clean. You better not walk out of our house without your hair in place and things of that nature. And it was like, oh, that's a, you know, I would hear all the time, oh, that's such a beautiful little girl. And oh, but she's dumb is what I would hear over and over again. And so that's what set my mindset for years years of me not even pushing the envelope because I figured I wasn't capable. So, so is that that's why
0: you said you felt you were incapable of learning and yeah. you felt unworthy of love. Yes. And you were so young. Mm-hmm. So you used another statement, which is pretty profound being invisible in plain
1: sight. Ooh, that was I used to be afraid that people would find that out about me. And I I come from a large family. I have seven siblings. And I was the quiet one, the one that stood underneath. I was number six child, number five girl. I had an older sister that I was like her, her shadow, but I stood behind her, underneath her to where she really didn't know I was there. You knew I was there, but you didn't know I was there. I never said a word. I was always hoping and wishing that people did not recognize me because I was done. How did you get through that? It wasn't really until after I got out of college, I I maneuvered life (laughs) and out of college, start figuring out, oh, I have interest. Oh, I, I can do some things, start trying a little bit of something, but it really wasn't until after I went through postpartum depression when I had my second daughter. If you've ever been through depression, it's, it's debilitating. It takes your mindset. You can't function. You can't maneuver. You just like, you're, you're a bump on the log and there's nothing you can do about it. So when I finally came to, I'll say, got feel, got to feeling better six months later, medication. It's like I looked at my daughters and I was deciding something's going to change. My daughters will live the limited life I'm living. I've lived about who I am and what I'm capable of capable of what what I can offer the world and it it changed at that point life changed wow Wow.
0: so your second daughter but you had your first daughter at 19 no I had my first daughter at 31 oh wow so okay wow good for you so I'm just seeing that it says that you at 19 you were in a not so good relationship so I just assumed there were children involved so I apologize
1: for that no, God wouldn't have did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> you sound favor with me on that one.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So you, you ended that relationship and moved on. Yes, I was delivered. I'll say that. <laughs> good. Good. That's important. So you say you became a victim to thinking mediocrity was where you expected to be
1: what you expected so uh and my my mom got married when she was 16 had six kids six kids at the age of 20 so what she she, but that's what she wanted to do is have a family and raise us and that's what she did but she was like what I consider a domestic goddess and I definitely did nothing but mimic my mother so especially thinking that my brain wasn't capable of of working and operating. At least I could do is be a, a good worker, a hard worker, watching my mom and doing domestic chores or whatever. You didn't know she had eight kids by the way her home went. You didn't know that you know she was at home, making sure all this stuff was in place. We were very structured, very disciplined uh, children. So watching her and how she maneuvered, that's where I got a lot of my organizational skills from my structure from watching her. And so that's what I thought I was supposed to do. <laughs> Because of what I thought about myself, the self-image that I had of myself.
0: So how did you move past that self-image? What steps did you take to to
1: develop yourself, to transform into the beautiful woman you are? Well, again, it goes back to that time when I started saying, I'm better than this. I have to be better, not only for me, but when I had two girls watching me, just like I watched my mother, I started thinking about that. I watched what she did. They're watching me. And so pushing the envelope for myself at that point, trying new things. And you could have never told me I would be an author, a four-time author at this point. You couldn't have never told me I would be an entrepreneur. You could have never told me some of those things, but teaching adults is something else that I do. And it's like, I would have never thought about those things, but I started kind of following the doors that were opening. I started venturing out, learning more, trying to do more. And it's just start opening other doors. And as I'm learning and growing, I'm getting a different aspect of what I can do and that raise my self-esteem. But when you do nothing, you get nothing. <laughs> so I start doing more, start moving around a different circle, start venturing out, and that helped me change the self-concept that I have about who I am and what I'm capable of and getting around people that say that start believing enough for me before I could believe in myself that I can do more and be more. I have a mentor that I've had for, for 20 years, uh, roughly 20 years. And she has been the one there to always say, Oh, you can do X, Y, Z. She started, she'll give me ideas. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But
0: mm-hmm. when she
1: plants that seed, when she would plant a seed, it just would grow. It would take root and grow at some point. Yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of having people around you to, to, to speak stuff into you, to speak life into you, to to see the possibilities, to see what you are capable of and, and and really can gear you in a direction that you don't even know is possible.
0: That's Awesome, because you do need mentors, you do need coaches, you do need those people pulling for you and supporting you, especially when you've come from lack of that as a child, and and you really need to grow past that. So that was great that you did it. Was there any kind of books or any kind of other things that you can recommend that
1: you read, or you know, a good movie that changed your life? <laughs> I think I, my dad. Uh... He always said, there's 24 hours in a day. Make sure you spend your time doing something. You don't need anybody to do anything for you. You're capable of doing for yourself. He had five daughters, so that was his advice, six girls. That was his his advice to us. And so me always thinking about it when I started really growing and learning, it was like, what else do I need to do? I I always said, what else can I do to make this situation better? What else can, can I do to help somebody else? It became about, I, started, I got a, a coaching certification because I kept helping other people. And I said, there's got to be a certification for this. <laughs> so I went and got, I got around other people in a different arena. And this was when coaching was real kind of new. So going to that course, I learned a lot about myself. And that gave me some ideas that I didn't even think were possible. So starting to move up in that ladder with, people that are off of the internet, started reaching out, learning more. It's like, okay, it, do, it doesn't have to be in this box of my five-mile geographical area. Mm-hmm. There's the internet, let's start using it and start maneuvering that way, reading. Yes, I started reading a lot of self-help books. I'm, uh, John Maxwell, I probably have read everything that that guy's <laughs> ever written. He's one of my, fav- my favorite authors. Um, in that particular, he did more leadership, but it's more self for me. I had a, I had a childcare facility. I had a t- staff of 25 people wow. that I was needing to lead at one point. So in order for me to have a good staff, I was having to duplicate myself, but I needed to learn how to do that and train them properly to do so. But training them was growing me. So that means I had to go outside to get more stuff to add to me so I can give to them. So that's kind of where the coaching part came in and me understanding that there's a greater person inside of them because they didn't know they were, they were a replication of me. And I started saying, no, you you got more in you than this. So I started pointing to other people because I turned the, turned the page on me being better than what anybody ever told me I was. And so those are the words that I use with not only students, but also adults, because it's more people that will like me than I ever knew before.
0: Well, that brings me to the next line. It says, if you aren't challenged in life, you won't change your life. So that's exactly what you're talking about with your staff and and you, of course, and, and changing who you are—the
1: challenges make us stronger and better people. Yeah, the strength is in the challenge. Of, that's one of Oprah. One of one of the things Oprah says: "Where there's no struggle, there's no strength." And on the journey. You grow because you're, you're learning and growing and being challenged. That's pushing that resilience part of you. That's pushing you to the next thing because you have to figure something out. You have to think it differently in order to get past that particular obstacle, the challenge that you're in front of at that time. That makes you grow. And we, a lot of times, don't, don't think of it that way. It's just like when we're in the moment, we think about, oh, why is this happening to me? But when you are headed for that next elevation of life, there are some challenges that's going to be there, but all of the challenges are meant to, to change you, but to grow you and to make you better for your next level. We want next level, but we don't want to go through the process to get to the next level. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We want the easy way, but you don't fall to the top, right? I saw that poster once of <laughs> I like that. man on the cliff, right? He didn't fall here. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So you say there are no secrets to success, only systems. So do you have some systems in place to share with us?
1: I do. So what what I did learn is I started researching people and their successes. What's the difference between the the haves and the have-nots? It wasn't a secret because I used to always think that that was a secret of why people were able to elevate and do all they want to do and be rich. And then you look at maybe even your family tree where you're all at the same level. There's not any difference from one generation to the next, a little bit, but not a whole bunch. And my mom would always say each generation should be better than the next. And I started looking at that and I'm thinking, I want better for my two. So what what, what is the difference here? And when I started looking at how people live and the things that they do, it was, and that's what I learned that there's no secret. There's, there's just systems. There's a way you have to function daily in order to get the results you want. If you're not functioning daily, to get to where you want to be how do you think in five years and ten years you're going to really get the, the dream that you really want and so it starts with a day-to-day a day-to-day routine and habits that's going to definitely get you there but you have to have the big picture stuff going on so it's a formula in my books it's like basically formulas and systems and when people can really and especially teaching kids kids go off of how do I get there what's step one two three four I started creating the one, two, three, four. And not everybody is linear like I am. Some are nonlinear. I have a daughter that's non-linear. I start giving her the outcome. You get there, how are you going to get there? Let's talk about how you're going to get there because she's a non-traditional, non-linear type person. So it depends on a lot of things. What works for you may not work for me, but I'm wanting to get from point A to point B. I have to create the systems and action steps to get there based on my authenticness of me, who I am. And so teaching people and showing people that's what uh, the first personal development book is called greatness in the making it's a formula to get people to reach their greatest potential continuously and then their most recent one was blueprint for success teaching people the formula got even longer as i kept studying and learning there's more to even just this part you got to get to go through a first part before you get to the second part so that was a book. And then just this one chapter from, um, from the book that we both have published a chapter in, uh, "Prison Life's Prisons Can't Hold Me, is that all of this stuff has definitely, hmm. <laughs> I saw a little something funny coming over up. Has <laughs> definitely been uh, part of the process, a part of the system, systematic thinking and, and doing, and just everything you see nowadays, they're always talking about systems systems system. and I was like, I got that like some years ago. Yeah, that's why I created this. That's great. I was gonna ask you about your
0: greatness in the making, but you uh you beat me to it. So oh, okay. you have Sorry. it spelled pretty cool gr eight t tness What was the thinking behind
1: that writing? So there's uh and th- that in and of itself was crazy how I went across that. So greatness in the making book came about I was in search of continuously trying to Teach my daughters about being great because I kept hearing it over and over again. You have the you have greatness inside of you. You keep hearing that. You hear it, but it's like, what is that? So I was in search, greatness. I'm gonna find this formula. I'm thinking formula this formula, step by step. Wasn't possible. Nowhere around. Hard work, resilience, things of that nature. Okay. One day it was June 21st, 2017. I had worked 16 hours at my The job I had at the time was like, I need to maneuver something because I said I wasn't going to stop moving on my own stuff because that's what I promised myself I wouldn't do. And it was like, I tell you, both of like, like hit me, like, here's the formula. So the formula is all about, it's greatness, the word greatness. And it's spelled out, goals, resilience, effort, attitude, teachable, navigate, execute uh, standards. And when you do those eight things, it's eight things you do, you become successful.
0: That's so cool. Tell us them again slowly.
1: So goals, resilience, effort, attitude, teachable, navigate, execute standards. Wow,
0: that's so brilliant. And that's your so is that's what you teach on?
1: Mm-hmm. The various state mm-hmm. the various arenas that you go through in order to get there because it's a formula that is actually hidden in plain sight. And if you think about it, most successful people have did what: goal setting, resilience, effort, attitude. They've done it. It's just never been a formula. In a formula.
0: That's fabulous. So you are a motivational speaker, trainer, facilitator. Do you have something that you specialize in on any anything like? Do you target children? Do you target single moms? Are they,
1: you know, where do you, where are your strengths? I, my strength is really with, with students. Um, I really do like middle school and high school because I feel like they need the information in order to make decisions in their lives that had, I wish I had the information that I have now when I was great to actually maneuver and understand and recognize some things I'm all about when you can identify something with a word, it helps you to maneuver as opposed to a lot of even students that get out of college, you're still trying to figure it out because some things that aren't taught in school, you need that information. So the information that I have, and I do uh, student success also in colleges, that's one of the arenas that I'm really trying to move in. But locally, I do students here in my geographical area, teaching these teaching them the steps about becoming the best version of, your, of themselves, but doing it over and over again. And this is how you do it. I also target women who are trying to reinvent themselves because after they raise the children, after they have come to a certain point, it's like, okay, who am I right now? Then you just go back to the drawing board and, and map it out with your blueprint and you move it that way because you're different than you were before you had kids before job one or before you know you might have been divorced so you have to reinvent yourself but how do you do that a lot of people know something needs to be done but don't know quite where to start
0: yeah the things so that
1: I do is, is pushing them in those directions giving them the tools they need and not only think differently about themselves but think differently about how you can actually live the life you want and be who you are, who you were called to be
0: and that's so important to work with that age group too because they're they're formative years where you know they're coming forth and they're now starting to contribute to society so how do they want to contribute you know what are they going to offer society and it's uh it's a great that's a great age so good for
1: you how can people find you I am RamonaRogers.com on there. I have my social media, Ramona Rogers on Facebook. I am Ramona Rogers on Instagram and on uh, Twitter. Those two, but I'm on LinkedIn, Ramona Rogers, Facebook, Ramona Rogers, and then I am. Ramona Rogers. So you find uh, Ramona Rogers, type that in somewhere, you sure to find me.
0: <laughs> well, that you are Mar- Ramona Rogers. And boy, you're lucky you got your name on all of those
1: platforms. <laughs> it was hard. That's why they're not the total exact same the whole time. But, you know, we were able to maneuver just a little bit. Well, I am
0: sounds perfect before your name. So that's great. Super. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Do you have any closing words that you want to yes. share?
1: i want to encourage people to move outside their comfort zones there is a life waiting for for you out there you have to be willing to be you have to be brave enough and bold enough to understand that you are capable of becoming all that you can be and not be afraid to go after the person you were born to be and go be great every day in life
0: well you are the great ramona rogers you have very far to go you've come so far and you're just a beautiful soul and thank you again for joining me on this podcast and she's talking about her chapter from the book disrupt Dis like i even say it now disrupting the status quo <laughs> i've been on so many podcasts this week my mouth isn't working anymore and you can get the book through ramonarogers.com are you selling it through there i am what's up Perfect. Perfect. So again, thank you for joining us. And um, this is Cheryl signing off. And in the words of my little brother, bye for now.